Consider this all too common work scenario. It's Friday afternoon. You're in your office frantically working to knock out remaining tasks on your to-do list before you're able to head out for the weekend. But as you look at your to-do list and then the clock, you think that there's no way this is going to happen. And then you look at your office door. You see that a number of your employees' desks are unoccupied. One of your direct reports is heading out the door with a satisfied face that reads that he is ready to enjoy his weekend. You quickly glance at your to-do list. Is there a task or two on here that I can give to one of them to help me out? But as you skim the list, you resolve that no one out there will be able to do these tasks sufficiently. So you can't hand them over. And so it looks like you'll just be here for a few more hours, all the while knowing that your people are already off enjoying their weekend. How is this possible? How do you seem to still have so much on your plate right now while everyone else around you, the very people you hired and that work for you, appear to be unburdened and unbothered? Clearly you think to yourself that something is not working. This is not sustainable, it's not effective, and it's certainly not efficient. Understandably, you're frustrated. But what can you do other than just get back to work and to finish it all? And then next Friday, like how are you going to prevent this from happening again next week? The situation seems just way too helpless. Well, it sounds like you have a delegation problem. And it's certainly one that you need to fix. But delegation is a hard topic. We often feel a lot of fear, anxiety, or even shame around the idea of it. So let's dig into delegation this week. What it is, why it matters, and specific ways that we can use it now, no matter what our role is or how big our team is. All it takes is that you're a leader or manager of at least one person. So let's get started. Welcome to the 3x5 Leadership Podcast, where we champion attention leaders who create significant impacts. In this show, we offer simple, practical strategies to help you live, lead, and learn more intentionally. I'm Josh, and I'm excited that you've joined us today. So first, what is delegation? In its simplest form, delegation is the transfer of responsibility of something from one person to another. This usually is from a more senior member, like a boss, to a more junior one, like a direct report. The responsibility transfer can be in the form of a decision, a project, an action to be taken, or maybe a standalone task. And when we think about being leaders or managers of teams, the concept of delegation makes sense. As the boss, I have to employ and engage my people to get results through them. And here, everyone will share the load of responsibility. But of course, that simple idea is far from the reality that we often experience at work. Delegation actually ends up being hard and scary for many leaders and managers. But why? Well, for one, we often think delegating a task will take more time and effort to explain to someone else and to make them responsible for it than it would to just do it ourselves. And so we keep the responsibility and deal with it alone. Or we may need to feel valuable and indispensable, worried that if we hand over responsibility to others, we lose perceived relevance. We may also desire to maintain the sense of accomplishment and recognition that comes with being the task executor. It does feel good to be able to cross items off of our to-do list. And still, some of us may feel guilty about putting more work on others, believing that the burden should be ours as a leader and not someone else uh, be carrying it for us. So thus, we're the ones that stay at the office past 6 p.m., not them. 
It might also just come down to a simple lack of confidence or trust in others, convinced that they won't be able to do the task as well as we will. So, to ensure it's done right, we take care of it. So, no matter our specific reasoning, there are plenty of obstacles that stand in our way of effective delegation. The issue is, however, that being a leader or a manager is not about what we can accomplish as individuals anymore. It's about what we can get others to do. It's about making our team capable of becoming more than just the sum of its parts. We no longer just manage our own tasks, our own calendar, and our own responsibilities. We delegate to work with and through others to get bigger results and to create more significant impacts. So then, like, how do we delegate well? Well, there are specific strategies and approaches that we can take, which we will explore here shortly. I think it's important to understand a few necessary mental shifts that we have to make first. These mental shifts help us to understand the value of delegation and why it's important to commit to, though it's often the harder method of leading than to merely be and do all of it ourselves. Remember, we weren't placed in a position of leadership to be a simple task executor. So the first important mental shift is to understand that we have different roles and value to add. As a leader or manager, there are things that only we can do that we cannot delegate to others. Those might be decisions. They might be complex tasks that would be unfair to delegate to more junior people. Or it might be establishing team priorities. But once we determine what those things that only we can do are, we ought to delegate the rest. Because this is about capacity management. Even as the leader, though we likely have more experience and maybe more education, we are still only one human. We have finite amount of time, energy, and capacity. We need to manage that capacity well, expending it on only the things that we can action. And the rest, we delegate to our team. Through good delegation, we increase our individual capacity. And from that increased capacity, we're able to improve and expand the value that we create for our team and for the whole organization. So let's maintain a bias for delegation. Is this something that I have to do, or is it something that I could and should delegate to someone else? A second mental shift that we need to make is viewing delegation as a means to engage our people and to make them feel like owners of responsibility rather than temporary renters of tasks. Delegation enables improved autonomy for our people. When we don't delegate and give our people responsibility, it can lead to a phenomenon akin to burnout but is actually called bore out. Bore out is when people feel disengaged and underloaded at work. It leads to a type of stress that creates cynicism and what we can call the renter effect, which is when people don't care about something. They comply because they have to, not commit because they choose to. Delegation is a mechanism to fight bore out and that renter mentality. By delegating, we assign responsibility. We give people the ability to own something, to care for it as their own, and to carry it out in their own way. We give them autonomy. So we need to view delegation as a means to engage our people, make them owners who have stake in organization, and to grant them space to operate on their own. I mean, we hired them in large part because of their talents and potential, right? So let's give them the ability to put it all to use. And the third mental shift we should make to successfully delegate is to view it not as being lazy, but as a way to grow our people's abilities, their self-sufficiency, and their capacity. 
Some research focused on adult learning and development shows that 70% of our learning comes from actually doing work, essentially like on-the-job training. This includes working through problem-solving and challenging tasks over repetitive practice. So even when we consider all the different ways that we can learn, like instructional classes or mentorship, coaching, feedback, or even self-study, the most significant method of learning is by actually doing the thing. And leaders delegating tasks and responsibility is a great way to create opportunities for growth through challenging work. Over time and practice, then, our people improve their skills, their ability more to manage more tasks and more responsibility. And ultimately, they become more self-sufficient, needing to look to us for guidance and support less often. So, I hope that we can see how powerful and important delegation is. It makes us better able to focus on the things that we need to as leaders so that we can continue to maximize the value that we bring to people and to the organization. And like we said, it makes our people better through improved abilities, self-sufficiency, and capacity. And ultimately, it makes our organization better with more people who are committed, empowered, and engaged. But the question now remains for many of us is likely, how do I delegate and how do I do it well? So, to help us delegate intentionally and effectively, let's explore a few small strategies that we can put into action now. One strategy is to use discernment, to know what to delegate and what not to. Inherent in our decision to delegate things to others is the assumption of risk. When we delegate, we assume risk. Risk in the outcome, risk in the processes someone may use to get the job done, there's risk in the resources or the capital they might consume to execute. And there's risk of using an established reputation and relationships when acting on our behalf. I'm no physician, but I do view it in a similar way to a physician assistant operating under a physician's license. It requires trust. So, know what we can delegate and what we shouldn't. Understand the potential risk tied to delegating a task to someone and only accept it if done prudently. Is this a low-risk situation with room for error and thus growth? Or is this a high-stakes scenario where we can't risk anything but putting our absolute best on the task? Be discerning and act accordingly. And just like we grow others' capacity over time, so too can we grow our ability to identify, assess, and assume risk through incremental practice. And finally, we don't trust recklessly. We give and we earn trust through a process of teaching, testing, then trusting. So when looking to delegate responsibility to someone else, work through a process of teaching them to ensure that they're adequately equipped. Then give them the practice room to test and confirm abilities. And then finally trust them to act on our behalf. This is a much more practical, sustainable, and developmental approach to delegating. Another strategy for delegation done well is to be careful to not only delegate responsibility, but to also ensure we provide the necessary authority and resources to manage that responsibility successfully. Too often, delegation happens through the granting of responsibility to someone else, usually a more junior person, and essentially telling them just to go figure it out. With this new responsibility, the person is left feeling like helpless with no knowledge or support on where to start. Often, the easiest part of delegating is transferring responsibility, saying, you're in charge of this. What was usually overlooked, 
yet is critical to enabling the person that we're delegating to is to ensure that we also provide them with the authority and the resources to carry out the responsibility well. When it comes to authority, have we granted them the ability to make decisions and to agree to commitments on, our, on their own? Have we informed other stakeholders, both within and outside of our organization, that this person now oversees the particular task, giving our person the professional clout needed to operate independently? And as for resources, have we provided them the time, the tools, the talent, the money, the equipment required? What about the knowledge and the skills? I mean, those are resources too. Does the person that we're delegating to have the requisite knowledge and skills to execute? Or should we look to get them some training first? So as we delegate responsibility, make sure that we also grant the necessary authority and resources to set our people up for success. This next strategy is simple. It's to delegate the what, the why, and the desired outcome of a task, but do not delegate the how they should execute it. Let them figure that out. Clarify what the task or responsibility is and all the associated information they need to know to carry it out. Also, communicate the importance and the relevance of the task. I mean, we all desire to contribute to meaningful work and expressing the importance of this new task that they're responsible for will help them know that it's significant. Then, to find the desired outcome of the task so the person knows their expectations and is clear on what success looks like in the end. After that, get out of the way and let them operate within those broad boundaries. Allowing them to determine how to execute is a key component to granting them autonomy and ownership. Remember, I mean, we hired them, right? Let's put those talents to work. So when delegating, focus on assigning the task, why it's important, and what the end state should look like. Then give them the room to explore how to get it done. And there will surely be times when our people surprise us and even teach us new ways of working when given the space to. One thing that complicates delegation is stakeholder management. We're often blind to or overlook many of the stakeholders tied to a delegated task or a project, and thus don't share that information when handing over responsibility. This often leaves the person that we're delegating to needing to consume time and energy just to figure out who's who in the zoo regarding their new responsibility. They spend so much effort contacting people just to find out that it's not this person who can help them, but actually this other person instead. And so, like, here's their phone number. Good luck. So instead of leaving our people alone and unafraid trying to build their own network of contacts associated with this new task, our next delegation strategy is to use a simple decision-making acronym as a framework to clarify stakeholders. The acronym is DACI. That's D-A-C-I and it stands for driver, approver, contributors, and informed. It helps map out how different people are involved in a task, a project, or a decision. So let's run through each letter real quick. Delegating, help the new owner of the task know who the drivers of it are. Drivers can be others involved who help steer the project, ensuring that tasks are accomplished, and who keep momentum moving forward. Drivers tend to be in positions like project manager or team lead. And the person that we delegate to will often be a driver, but there may be others who will act alongside them, so it's important to clarify. Approver is the ultimate decision maker within a project or a task. This is the person with the, uh, with the authority to make organizational commitments. 
When considering authority, we can delegate decision-making down to others, or we may elect to retain it for certain decisions, but it's key to define the authorities and who has the power to do what. The C in DC stands for contributors. These are people who can provide expertise, suggestions, and any specialized work towards the project. So when delegating, make sure to specify if contributors are independent actors or if they in fact report to our teammate who we are placing in charge. Clear boundaries and relationship networks are important for efficient execution. And finally, the I represents people that need to be informed. They need to be aware of the project's progress because it may impact other things that they're working on. However, these people will not directly participate in tasks or decision-making. So again, consider using DC decision-making framework to inform the person that we're delegating to on the complex network of stakeholders that they will engage with, work with, or that they need to keep informed. This simple act can uh, make their initial efforts on this task a lot easier and a lot more efficient, rather than consuming time and energy trying to find out who to collaborate with. Now, a strategy to help us identify who to delegate to is to consider delegating to a person's strengths or to delegate for their development. We often default to our bias for quality results and high performance. So we typically delegate tasks to our heavy hitters that we know will take on the task well, get the desired outcomes, and will do it quickly and efficiently. We're able to assign responsibility to them, not have to worry about it after, and we're able to move on to other things, things that only we can do. And while delegating and performance is necessary for organizational effectiveness and efficiency, when we do this too much, we overburden our high performers. They get burned out. And they can also get cynical seeing how hard that they work versus the others who may not be as skilled and thus not relied on as much. And so not only do our, our, not only do our heavy hitters get overworked, burned out, and cynical, but our teammates seen as less capable remain unengaged, unchallenged, and thus stagnant in their growth. And as a result, like everyone's pretty unsatisfied. So let's consider delegating to someone based on their strengths or for their development. Remember back to the research that found that 70% of learning comes from challenging experiences and work. When looking at a task, a, a project, or a responsibility to delegate, consider its importance and risk. Is this a no-fail matter with major impacts that we don't have any room for error? If so, let's err towards delegating based on a person's strengths, who we know will execute well thus reducing our risk. However, if the task carries fewer consequences and leaves plenty of room for exploratory learning while working on it, consider delegating to a person's developmental needs. When we do, we make sure that we set them up for success, though. It's helpful to acknowledge that this will be a challenging task, but that we're confident in their ability to do it well and that we will be there to support them through the task. That support can look like a routine check-ins or to coach our teammate through their efforts. It could be thoughtful feedback to bring focus to their growth. It can also be encouragement to keep them engaged. So remember to delegate according to strengths for high performance and according to developmental needs to keep our people learning and growing. And make sure we don't continue to default to the former. It's all too natural to just hit the easy button as a leader and keep giving responsibility to our preferred high performers or that we provide our people as they execute the things we have delegated to them. First, 
One major issue often tied with delegation is micromanagement. Due to what we would see as insurmountable concerns over risk or results or the discomfort of allowing others to operate within a defined space because they might just do it quote-unquote wrong, many leaders default to a helicopter boss mode. They remain too involved, consistently overwhelming the person they have apparently placed in charge of a task. They don't give any room to operate or to breathe. So this strategy argues to counter micromanagement by being accessible as a leader and to use regularly scheduled touch points to check in on progress. Being accessible and communicating that accessibility to our people is important so they know it is safe to come to us anytime they need help. If our people are fearful to approach us with issues, it not only hinders progress on the delegated task, but it allows feelings of isolation and a lack of self-efficacy to fester within them. As a result, they become less committed and more paralyzed to act, leaving the task as well as their own growth at risk. So when delegating a task, overemphasize our accessibility. Encourage to come talk to us anytime if they have questions, concerns, or need help. And when they do use that accessibility, welcome it. Turn away from the computer or the phone. Be present. Give them our time and attention and offer all the help we can. And in those moments, be thoughtful in the type of value we add. Our teammate may come to us looking for us to make a decision that is well within their authority to make. However, instead of, again, hitting the easy button and removing that burden from them, we can offer other types of value, like coaching maybe. Through that, we don't alleviate them of responsibility, but help them think through the issue more intentionally and holistically. And through this practice, we build their self-sufficiency over time. The other part of the strategy to counter any micromanagement tendencies is to use regularly scheduled check-ins. We may feel uneasy about not having heard any updates about the delegated task. Thus, we feel an impulse to get an update about it. So we bother our people with questions, forcing them to stop what they're working on to address our urgent but rather unnecessary needs. This sounds like badge management, and it is. But I get it. As leaders, we always feel the need to remain informed of what's going on around us. So to avoid this vicious cycle, though, let's establish a routine of regular check-ins with our people to discuss updates about their task. First, how often does this need to happen? Can it be weekly? What about monthly? Figure out what would be sustainable, both for you and the other person, what would be not too burdensome on them, and what would be required based on the type of task or project we're working with. Second, can we include these updates into an already scheduled event so we're not adding more meetings or requirements? One example is a weekly one-on-one -on -one meeting, which is the topic of one of our recent podcast episodes. We can use these short, simple touch points to discuss task updates, but they also become a great opportunity to engage our people and facilitate regular conversations about their development. So, I encourage you to check out that episode if you haven't listened to it yet, uh, which we'll have linked in the show notes. Okay, now, the last strategy to delegate well is to make sure that we recognize, we celebrate, and we appreciate our people throughout their task execution. As we give our people responsibility, don't forget to give them credit, too. There are a ton of ways to do it, so let's just not get wrapped up in the idea of some right way. We just need to do it. It's just like expressing gratitude. Do what is natural to us and what would be meaningful to them. 
We can express our thanks to them in person in the office. We can recognize them at a staff meeting in front of their colleagues. We can even write them handwritten notes of gratitude. Again, there are plenty of ways. We just need to actually do it. Because gratitude felt does not make gratitude expressed. We may feel appreciation for our people, but if we don't make the effort to share it, our people will never receive it and thus never benefit from it. And don't forget to share that credit up. Speaking well about our people and their accomplishment to our boss is a powerful way to champion them and get them in a position for future great opportunities. And finally, remember to share appreciation, absolutely, but also share feedback too. The delegation of tasks creates the opportunity for that 70% of learning through doing the work, yes. But what about that other 30%? Well, a good part of that additional 30 comes from feedback. So let's ensure that we are maximizing the growth and learning of our people through delegation by including regular feedback as well. So last year, I transitioned to a new role in running operations for a 700-person organization. This new role is the first time I've actually moved from what I'll call like direct leadership to a more organizational level approach. I do a lot less direct engagement leading with the people on my team, which is what I've been used to for the last decade. Now, I manage a team of teams, relying a lot more on things like policy, orders, and guidance in order to lead and to manage and to enact change across the organization. So I do a lot less of the execution a lot more of enabling other leaders to do the executing. But in preparing for this new role, I remember speaking to a mentor a few years back who had been in a similar job. And his one piece of advice has remained with me all these years. And it's something that's on my mind daily now that I'm actually in the position. But he said to delegate until it hurts, and then to delegate some more. With almost one year complete in this new organizational level leadership role, I not only understand what he was talking about, but I also 100% agree. It just goes back to the arguments we made at the beginning of this episode. Delegation is not lazy. It might be scary, sure. And it's hard, because we see it as a burden. It would take a lot less time and effort to just do the task ourselves, rather than committing resources to teach someone else to. But think about the opportunities lost in that approach. What are we not doing by using our time and resources on this task that someone else could do? And what are the costs for our people's learning and growth when we don't provide them opportunities to practice and to have responsibility? Delegation is a powerful tool, both for organizational effectiveness and for the development of our people. So what's holding you back from delegating until it hurts? What's one task or project you can delegate this week that you've kept on your own to-do list? What strategies discussed today could and should you employ to ensure that you delegate the task well? I believe you'll be amazed at the impacts that you can achieve through a habit of thoughtful delegation, impacts and results, and efficiencies in your people's development, and even improvements in their commitment to the organization. So let's go and delegate well this week. Now, as we end, I've got three simple asks of you. First, I invite you to give the show a like and a review. It just helps us to get some street cred. Second, subscribe to 3x5 Leadership via email to ensure that you're sent new content every week directly to your inbox. There's no spam, no games. So you can find the subscription link in the show notes. And finally, I invite you to consider becoming a patron of 3x5 Leadership. Not only would your support help us to keep delivering high-quality content each week, 
but you'll also enjoy sweet, exclusive content shared only with our patron community. These include things like our weekly leadership tips, often delivered as videos, and our monthly team newsletters. So if you're interested, you can learn more and sign up at the link in the show notes as well. So thanks for joining us today. Thanks for your support. And thanks for choosing to lead intentionally every day, wherever you serve. It matters. And until next episode, friends, take care and lead well.